0: L D E J A N E I R O, soldajanero.com, and use the code ACAST10 for 10% off.
2: Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157
3: days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks.
2: Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it.
4: Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST.
2: Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards, only at Sleep Number Stores or sleepnumber.com. You're listening to Side Hustle Pro, the
3: podcast that teaches you to build and grow a side hustle from passion project to profitable business. And I'm your host, Michaela Matthews. So let's get started. Hey guys, this is Nikayla here, and you're listening to episode 47 of Side Hustle Pro. Now this episode actually wraps up our theme for the month, which is how to make a living doing what you love. Today on the show, we have a woman who truly epitomizes the theme of this whole month. Her name is Christine Llewellyn, and she's the founder of Christine Joy Design. Christine Joy Design is a Brooklyn-based surface pattern design studio specializing in the home goods, apparel, and consumer product markets. I first learned about Christine from a video on Facebook that shared her journey to entrepreneurship and a partnership she did with West Elm. I actually saved this video two years ago just for inspiration before I even had any plans to start the Side Hustle Pro podcast. And when I did start the podcast, I knew I would eventually need to have Christine in the guest chair. One of the reasons I was so intrigued by Christine is that she already had a successful career as a marketer when she said, you know what? This is not what I really wanna be doing with my life. And so she pivoted to found Christine Joy Design. How many of you have ever thought, oh, it's too late, or I've been doing this for so long, I don't want to start over? Well, today's episode just might make you rethink all of that. On today's show, Christine gets into why you shouldn't be afraid to pursue your passion, no matter what stage you are in your career, how she took a leap of faith and started over from scratch, how investing in herself and her business led to big rewards with major brand partnerships. Plus, she gets into all of the revenue streams in her business and how she's continuing to grow her brand. I really, really love what Christine has to share. Before we get up close and personal with Christine, though, I want to let you know that this podcast is brought to you by FreshBooks. For all of my side hustlers out there, FreshBooks recently unveiled an all new version of their cloud accounting software. It's been redesigned from the ground up and custom built for exactly the way you work. Get ready for the simplest way to be more productive, organized and most importantly, get paid quickly. I've been using and loving these features ever since I jumped back into FreshBooks this year, mainly because not only is it user friendly, but it's also packed full of powerful features that you need, like creating and sending professional looking invoices in less than 30 seconds, setting up online payments with just a couple of clicks, and seeing when your client has seen your invoice. So if you want to create and send branded invoices in no time like me, FreshBooks has a special offer for my Side Hustle Pro listeners. You can get a free, unrestricted 30-day trial of FreshBooks. Just head over to FreshBooks.com slash Side Hustle Pro and enter Side Hustle Pro in the How Did You Hear About Us section. Alrighty, now let's get into it. Welcome to the show, Christine. We're so happy to have you here. Thanks for having me, Nakella. Yeah. So as you know, I mentioned to you briefly, we all this month are talking to women who are making a living doing what they love. And I wanted to know how you, one, got the courage to leap out there and (laughs) what your path was to doing that. So I had to have you in the guest chair. Oh, thank you. So tell us a little bit about your background.
4: Sure. So I have a background. So I totally switched careers. I have a background in business. Um, So I had right after school done consulting in financial services. But even actually going before that, like I've always, always loved art and design and just being creative, but never really thought that that was a possibility for me um, in terms of a you know, a professional career. So I ended up doing consulting right after college just because it's marketable, you know, like it'll make me money. And I was always taught, you know, my parents are pretty traditional Caribbean parents and, you know, they teach you to do something that'll allow you to make money. So, you know, in the financial
3: world
4: or, you know, law, being a doctor. So I was sort of going down that path and sort of fell into business. I had an internship with the Inroads program and was doing consulting with Pricewaterhouse Cooper, so a large accounting firm. And I just knew it wasn't the right fit for me, but I spoke to people and tried to sort of get a sense of, okay, well, I'm already down the business path. What? I guess what type of career would be more fulfilling. So I knew that I I liked being creative and a lot of people that I spoke to pointed me into marketing or suggested that I check out marketing. And the more I learned about marketing, it just sounded like a much better fit for me than was consulting in financial services. So I decided to go back to school, get my MBA, received my MBA from the Ross School of Business, and after worked at American Express doing marketing. So I was a marketing manager at American Express. And it's just so interesting when I look back at that experience of being at American Express and just how pivotal and important it was when I, when I think about where I am now. So I was on a project where I was working very closely with designers. We were coming up with new signage for American Express to put in Universal Studios parks because that became the official card of Universal Studios. So we were coming up with an actual thing that we had to develop. And it was cool because it was very innovative for American Express. So I was working with an industrial designer who was coming up with the look of the product and, you know, working out the whole mechanics of it and also with the a graphic designer who was coming up with the messaging and like the posters and stuff like that. And I just found that every single time that I met with them, I was wanting to be on their side of the table and just so much more interested in what they were doing than what I was doing. So I was working on more of the strategy and, and that part, you know, excited me as well, but not anywhere near as much as the creative aspects of the project so i just think i was really lucky you know in hindsight looking back at my experience to have been placed on this project where i was working so closely with creative people who just encouraged me really to to pursue A creative career. Um, I remember actually one of the guys on the project who started his own graphic design firm sat with me after a meeting literally for like almost an hour just showing me all of the stuff that he's done with Amex and with other companies and it just really opened my eyes and made me realize that just because you're a creative person does not mean that you have to be broke, you know, does not mean (laughs) you have to be a starving artist, like that to me is just, um, it's just not accurate. And I, and I, and at that point, I wish I had met him sooner, you know, to know that, oh, I could be creative and I could have great clients who could pay me well, you know, so that to me was a real eye opener. Actually, another big thing that I did was I took continuing education courses while I was at Amex and I just loved them, like literally really just got all into them and couldn't wait to go home and do my homework. And what was fascinating, I guess, for me was that other people who were in this continuing education course thought they were going to love it because they, you know, also like me, were in non-creative fields, I guess, and were thinking they would love it, but they actually hated it. So it was just very interesting for me that I you know, thought I was going to love it and actually loved it. Whereas these people were like, oh, I actually hate it. It's so tedious. (laughs) And yeah, so for me, it was just eye opening and just made me realize that, wow, I think I think I'm in (laughs) the wrong career, you know, like I I think I really want to do this creative thing. So let me do it. Yeah. So I ended up leaving Amex. Um and deciding to go back to school yet again and get my yeah I know (laughs) (laughs) to get my master's degree in industrial design which is basically a fancy way of saying product design
3: yes I want to pause here because Mm -hmm. this is such an critical point that I want to drive home. And it's one of the reason I was so drawn to your story is because you were pretty far ahead. You'd gotten your graduate degree, not just, you know, undergrad degree. And so many of us, I know this because my peers and I are in this situation now where we've, you know, recently out of business school and you start to feel like, well, well, I'm stuck. Like this is this is what I've been doing for so many years. What else am I going to do? I'm not going to go back to school again. Like, I'm mm-hmm. done. <laughs> but That's you were right. not That's afraid right. to pivot. Talk to us about that process. Were you afraid of incurring more debt or just how did you have the guts to go out and do that?
4: Yeah, I I definitely stressed a lot about it before deciding to do it. And it it really did take me a while. So I was at Amex for three years. And I think I would say maybe after the first year, I, I kind of knew that uh, that I wanted to do something creative. It was just a matter of making sure I did the proper research and talked to people before jumping back in and going back to school again. So it's, it's, it's something that I literally like went back and forth on for probably about two years before deciding that I just need to do it. I tried to sort of step back and look at the you know the bigger picture and i was at the time i was maybe what 29 or so and just knowing that i just didn't really enjoy what i was doing and i was like okay i'm gonna be working for at least the next 35 years you know like i haven't been in any one industry for that long you know so it's not like i've been doing business for forever you know in the grand scheme of things so I feel like when you take a step back and think about, okay, well, how many more years of work do I have in me, you know? <laughs> and when you think about this, say three or four years that you've been in your particular job, post your MBA, it's actually not that much, you know? So I feel like sort of reframing it and, and thinking more about the future and, what can I do now to get me to that point where I want to be, you know? Yes. Yeah. And I just feel like I, I couldn't imagine myself sort of in the same position or even in the same industry, really, say in 10, 15 years. Or if I was, I knew that I wouldn't be happy. And I know that, you know, life is short. Like, I just feel like in financial services, yes, I could do the job but I never felt like, oh, I just excel so much. Like I I didn't feel that way. And I just wasn't that passionate about it. Whereas with design, I feel like I try hard. I'm really into it while I'm doing it. And people recognize my talent, I guess, you know, so that's Mm -hmm. been really nice to be recognized and, you know, just to be in a, in, in, in an industry where your talents sort of stand out and you kind of you stand out because you're passionate and you also have the talent
3: got it and something else i feel like you know if this was a textbook right now i would be highlighting something you just said and you said that you have to reframe your thinking so thinking about everything you've done in the past and using that to Decide what's going to happen in the next four, five decades of your life is just ridiculous. Right. Like, think about <laughs> the future and what you want that to look like instead of being like, well, I've been a management consultant for as long as I can remember. Like,
4: no. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, 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 really. I mean, definitely. And I also want to stress, too, that it, you know, it takes a while. Like, it really took me, I would say, Probably a good two years is of going back and forth and thinking, oh, my God, I just got this MBA. Am I crazy to go back to school? You know, so, yeah, there was a lot of that. I think a big part of it, too, was my I guess was he my fiance at the time mm-hmm. or was he even my fiance? But my boy, we've been together for forever. But he was I think especially once I started taking those continuing education classes and he saw how into it, I was, he was like, what are you doing? Like, why are you even, (laughs) why is it even a question? You know, like you are just so passionate about this. Go for it. You know? Um, so, you know, it helps also to have somebody who is, you know, just uh, very supportive of what you do and celebrates all of your wins and is there for all of your failures, you know, so he is definitely a huge part of um, my deciding to go back. Yeah, because he he's just been so supportive. And that's what um, you like to hear. <laughs> yes, 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 absolutely. I couldn't have done it without him. So yeah, so that's also a big part of the, you know, background story as well. OK,
3: so once you had finally made the decision, you're back at school now for design. What was that period like? Were you side hustling? You're still working at Amex. Did you have a plan of what you wanted to do when you graduated? I did, actually. So when I started my program, I had
4: it in mind that I would come out and do design consulting. So say working for, I don't know if you've heard of these companies like IDEO or Smart Design Mm -hmm. and Frog Design. Yeah, because to me it was a really nice sort of marriage of my interests and my skills. So I, you know, I have the MBA so, and I would be working with companies on um, business issues, but that revolve around design things, you know? So to me it felt like, oh, this would be perfect. But the more I spoke to people who actually were at those companies, the more I realized that at the end of the day, it is a consultancy. So you're beholden to the client. Sometimes you have to work long hours. You know, it's sort of consulting all over again. And I come from that. So in my mind, I was like, well, do I want to do that again? To me, that doesn't make sense. You know, I came from consulting, even though this would be design consulting, but still just like. Lifestyle became much more of a priority, and I think that that I think there's something to be said about where you are in life as well. So for me, when I started design school, I just what happened is so much has happened. But basically, I had just got married and then found out that I was pregnant right before I graduated. So for me, at that point having a particular type of lifestyle or work-life balance became more important to me. So I started to really like look within and think about what type of lifestyle do I want and what sort of creative path will afford me that type of lifestyle. And I came upon this online course. It was just like a month-long course about surface pattern design, that I came across when I was just trying to think of okay, well, I'm about to finish this degree. What should I do? So it's basically creating patterns and art in some cases that manufacturers will then either license or buy from you to apply to their products. So to wow. me, it felt new. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah, it was really amazing. It really was amazing. I, I just it just sounded perfect to me. Um, just practically speaking product design, you kind of need more space. And we live in an apartment where I don't have a ton of space. So to me, it just felt like a perfect fit. And I'm still working with manufacturers. I'm not dealing with the actual manufacturing, but I feel like it's been companies that I've worked with have really appreciated the fact that I know a bit about what manufacturing entails and some of the limitations
3: and that type of thing. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's how this came about. So when did you formally start Christine Joy Design? And when were you officially charging for your services? Yeah, so I
4: formally started in May of 2014 and i decided that if i was going to switch careers and you know switch it in such a big way i should also launch my company in a big way so what i ended up doing to launch is i decided to exhibit at a trade show called certex and this trade show is specifically for i guess artists who want to get their patterns on products you know so mostly home goods but also like stationery and just different things so It happens once a year at the Jacob Javits Convention Center, which, you know, is like a big convention center. So it was a little intimidating. But I figured if I was, you know, if I was going to make this change and make this shift, I should try and get in front of as many people as possible. And I really now when I think about it, I think it was the best decision I ever made. It wasn't easy. I definitely um, had had quite a interesting time doing it. I was breastfeeding at the time because I had just had my second child. Oh my gosh, two whole yeah. children. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, two whole children. So I was breastfeeding and I knew I would be away from him. So I had to sneak away from my roof to to pump. And, you know, it was just quite an interesting experience. But when I look back on it, I don't regret a thing. And I'm so happy I did it because that really is what got me in front of a lot of the companies that have really given me a ton of exposure, like Minted and West Elm. And through that, I got Creighton Barrel, you know. So I just feel like it was just a really good decision to decide to go big, even though it was very scary. Also very expensive because a booth is not cheap. But I think it was definitely worth it.
3: I love that you mention the cost of it because that's what I've been thinking this whole time like okay this is expensive <laughs> you've gone back to school you've had two children mm-hmm. and, and gotten mm-hmm. married so at what point after that conference were you like okay in business signing contracts making partnerships how long did it take to get revenue no, streams actually, up and yeah, money it
4: took that's right and that's the thing with, um, with licensing so I either license or I sell my patterns and I started out just licensing and one thing with licensing licensing is yes you can make money doing it but what people tell you who do do it is that it takes a while to build up your name and to build up your clients where you're getting money to sort of live off of you know so I, I will say no it's taken quite a bit and after I did that trade show it probably took a full year before I not a full year to get contracts. No, but it did take a full year before the whole minted West Elm thing happened. And to me, that was like a, a pretty critical point in my career. Okay, um, so we,
3: we have to get into the details here because not everyone yes. knows, not everyone knows. <laughs> so tell us about the competition. Tell us how, for, first of all, what you've done with minted and West Elm and then um, how those came to really be. Yeah, absolutely. So
4: Minted, in case you don't know, Minted is a, um, it's basically an online retailer. They actually do, they recently launched a brick and mortar store in San Francisco, which is where they're based, but they're an online retailer. They started out selling stationery and basically the way they decide what they sell is basically crowdsourcing. So they ask their customers to vote on Designs to sell, so they have a community of artists from around the world, basically, who, you know, submit designs that, you know, that Minted could end up selling. And the way they decide is that their customer votes. So everything, everything that's sold on Minted has been voted on by the customer. Minted, after launching stationery, I believe they moved into art prints as well, so you could get fine art on there. And then most recently, they've also launched a home goods line as well. So every year for the past, I think, four years, they've done this collaboration with West Elm. And the reason why this makes sense is because, well, as we all know, West Elm does sell framed art. But West Elm and Minted both sort of celebrate the local maker and the creative entrepreneur. And they're really good about promoting the artists that they work with. So every year, Minted and West Elm get together and they have a competition for artwork. And basically the people who rank highly in this competition will have their artwork sold on Minted's website and in the West Elm stores and on the West Elm's website. So, So when I had done the trade show, somebody from Minted stopped by my booth and said, oh, we love your aesthetic. We think this would really uh, resonate with our customers. You should really enter one of our competitions. And, you know, I kind of took their card and didn't do much with it at the time, but, you know, started following them and seeing like, oh, wow, they do have this competition with West Elm. So the funny and sort of crazy thing is that I had never really worked with watercolor, very much but I always knew that I loved the look of it so when this competition came around I decided to just sort of experiment with watercolor and I remember maybe a few weeks before the deadline going to the nearby art store and just buying like you know the best watercolor out there and you know the nicest paper and and deciding to just come up with some stuff and submit it and I submitted 13 pieces they ended up choosing eight of my pieces which is pretty crazy considering yeah it's like pretty insane i couldn't believe (laughs) that they had chosen so many and yeah so basically they chose eight of my pieces and i believe if i'm not mistaken i think that was the largest number selected by any one designer so that was pretty exciting and yeah so west elm started selling my artwork i think because of the number that they selected from me they reached out to me and, and asked if i was able to do a promotional video with them. And of course I said yes. And yeah, so they also did this video to promote me and my art. And also obviously minted. And it's just been like I was saying earlier, it's just been such a wonderful opportunity that's opened up a lot of doors because I feel like when I reach out to other companies, you know, it's sort of like you have to build on Mm -hmm. any win that you get. Like you just have to build on that and leverage that. So absolutely.
3: And that video is is how I was introduced to you.
4: Oh, yes, you were saying that's so interesting. Yeah, that was, I mean, such a wonderful marketing tool, you know, so it's like, it was just amazing to have that opportunity to work with
3: them. Is that when you really started to reap like profit and rewards in your business? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. The nice thing about this business as
4: well, is that there aren't a ton of like overhead costs, you know, like, I, I sketch in my sketchbook and I paint and I draw, I scan in my designs and I recolor. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff that happens on the computer, but it's nice that you you don't have to spend a ton of money. So it's easy to start really making some money from it.
3: That's so interesting. So the the actual manufacturing, that's all on like Wessel to do. Is that what happens? Exactly. And then, exactly. Okay. And at this point, is it it's still licensing or you're getting a commission off of each sale? And Yeah, I'm, I'm getting a
4: commission off of each sale and it is licensing. Mm-hmm. So that's the one nice thing about licensing is that you do maintain the copyright to your work. So they're almost in essence like borrowing it, you know, or renting it from you, and you make a royalty so every quarter you'll get paid a royalty check um, it. so it's yeah yeah
1: so that's how licensing
0: L-D-E-J-A-N-E-I-R-O soldejanero.com and use the code ACAST10 for 10% off.
4: Hey Dave. Yeah Randy. Since we founded Bombas we've always said our
2: socks underwear and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one
4: purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad?
2: only at Sleep Number Stores or sleepnumber.com. Works. So now
3: I wanna shift a little bit into talk about how to sustain your business. Now you're doing what you love and you obviously want to continue doing that and everyone listening wants to start and sustain it. So first of all, what are the current revenue streams in your business and then what are your plans to grow? Sure.
4: So current revenue streams, One is licensing, like we were just talking about. So that's where the company produces and manufactures and I get a cut. So I get a royalty check every quarter. Also, after having, I guess, such success with the home goods portion, like with West Elm and Crate and Barrel and being able to get into those stores and realizing that the work that I create, so I I do create like art you know, just fine art, but I also, I feel like my real passion and true love is creating patterns that would go on sort of any surface. That is what I sort of want to focus on with my business. So it's great to have the art prints out there and making me money, you know, every quarter. But I I want to start getting into selling and I have gotten into selling my prints uh, for apparel, for the apparel market. And this works a little bit differently because with an apparel company, they want to buy the print outright. So they're not paying you any sort of royalty they're basically buying you paying you one flat fee and then they own that piece of art and it's theirs to produce however they want and do whatever they want with but i've just found that to be a much better way to make money immediately because with licensing it's like yes it's great but then You're waiting every quarter to receive any sort of money and you don't know how much you've sold with licensing. Mm -hmm. It's not like they tell you as things sell. So that's one of the downsides, I think, of licensing. Whereas with selling outright, yes, you're losing the copyright. But if you produce a lot of stuff, it kind of doesn't matter at the end of the day, or at least that's how I feel. So the other stream of income is just selling patterns outright to the apparel market. And the same could be done for the home goods market. I just have sort of focused on apparel for now. I also sell art prints. So on my website, you could just buy an art print. So that's another stream of income. And those are the main three streams. I would love to get into maybe teaching and doing workshops. is yeah. something that I'm really passionate about. And I, I want to start doing that more. But yeah, that would be another stream
3: that I hope will you know grow as, as my business grows as well. I can see it. I can I can totally see, especially after this episode, people wanting to know more about this because it's such a niche kind of industry. I mean, those who are familiar with design might know about it, but people who have graphic and visual interests might not. And yeah, it would be so cool to expand the knowledge base there. So speaking of which, um, how are you continuing to grow your brand and brand awareness?
4: You know, I um as, as expensive as they can be, I do think that being present and being visible at these trade shows is really important. I just think it's a good investment for your business. Um, so that I think has been my biggest strategy in trying to grow the business, just making sure I'm getting in front of the right people or the people who are looking for patterns so that you know, they walk these shows to connect with artists. A lot of times, at least from what I've heard, is some companies want to go to these shows specifically to find artists that they have not ever worked with just because they want a new, fresh look or take on whatever trend or whatever. So I just feel like by not being there, you lose out. So I have been you know, making it a point to attend as many trade shows as I can just so that the comp- I'm getting in front of the right people. I try and post fairly frequently on my social media, on Instagram, just to give people a glimpse of just my life or, you know, things that I'm inspired by, work that I'm creating. And I think that just helps being present on social media. And it's also a nice way to just connect with other artists who are doing similar things as well. I've actually met in person people who, you know, have followed me on social media or I have followed them and realize that we both live in Brooklyn and, you know, not that far from each other. So social media has definitely helped me to
3: grow my network. Mm-hmm. I have a trade show question. How do you find out about these trade shows? Is there a website that we should go to, to learn more? You know, um, I'm trying to think about how, like the very first one that I did when I took that
4: course and and now I remember the name of it. It's called The Art and Business of Surface Pattern Design. When I took that course, they gave you literally a list of all the trade shows that would be of interest to somebody who's trying to get into that industry. You know, that was sort of an easy way because that list was just given to me. But I feel like just going online and searching, you know, like surface pattern trade show or print studio trade show or fashion, you know, like I, I feel like, you know, digging a little online would probably bring it up, but I don't know of any place online that you could go that would list them all for you like that, but I'm sure there is. I just, I haven't seen it, but it's just like, as you speak to people or especially, I think that's where social media is very useful. It's like, if I'm following people who are also in this industry, it's like, oh, these people have all done this show, I should also look into that show. So I feel like a lot of what I've learned even, or a lot of the things that sort of are on my radar are things that I've gathered from following people online mm-hmm. and on Instagram and seeing what they're posting about or what they're what trade shows they're doing, you know, so you just sort of learn as you go. Right. But interestingly for this, whole surface pattern thing there aren't that many trade shows for it as far as i know so there's surtex the one that happens once a year in may There's the one that I just did uh, called Premier Vision, and that happens three times a year in January, April, and July. And that's specifically to sell to the apparel market for the most part. And then there is one called Print Source that happens, I think, maybe twice a year. I'm not exactly sure. But yeah, so there are a few, but they're not that many. Like I think I just named three, and I think those are the biggest ones. So I just feel like talking to people is probably the best way, or just like searching online or or you know on social media you kind of get a lot of information that way as well
3: got it and i'm glad you mentioned that because i just wanted to make sure that there wasn't some big industry resource that people should know about if they're interested in this yeah, but yeah i right. do the same thing like i'm on instagram i've written down conferences like oh wait what's that i'm going to that exactly. next year exactly. um, <laughs> that's right so that's i right. do the same thing all right mm-hmm. so Before we get into the lightning round, I just have one more question about sustaining a profitable business. I would love to know what's been the biggest challenge or most surprising part of starting Christine Joy Design. Mm -hmm. The most challenging part, I would say staying motivated,
4: really, like as much as I love it. There are points when, you know, when things just uh, aren't happening as fast as you would like them to, or you're just having a, period where it just feels like things are going so slowly or I don't have appointments to meet with companies to sell patterns so it just feels like oh man you know like you really have to put in so much time and effort to make any sort of money just because it's you know you're you're the only one you can rely on so it's a one-woman show and I and I feel like sometimes you just don't feel like sending that email or you don't feel like (laughs) meeting that person for call or just whatever it is. I just feel like it can be overwhelming just because everything that needs to be done with the business is on you, you know, and there's really no one to delegate to. Although that will be changing, I hope, <laughs> or I plan to eventually get an intern or some sort of help where I could delegate and not have to do everything on my own. But yeah, just just how mm-hmm. nothing gets done unless you do it. So there are just times when you don't feel like it, yeah. <laughs> but it's sort of like, well, then it's not going to get done, and exactly. you'll be even more overwhelmed tomorrow. <laughs> so yeah.
3: Right. Yes. Get that, that intern. Get that intern. Yes, I'm sure. Absolutely. Hit up Pratt Institute. I mean, I'm sure.
4: Oh, absolutely. And I'm, someone. Yes,
3: And they're right in my backyard. I yes, yes I'll be doing that. Okay. <laughs> All righty. So now it's time to transition into the lightning round. So you know the deal. You answer the first thing that comes to mind. You ready? Yes, I am. All righty. Number one. What's a resource that has helped you in your business that you can share with the Side Hustle Pro audience? For me,
4: actually the biggest resource that I would recommend anyone who's even thinking about getting into this business is the art and business of surface pattern design. And I believe they may have changed the name to make it in design, but it's basically a website that is geared towards uh, surface pattern designers. But what is most useful, at least was for me, is that they have these courses that are like, I think they have three different modules that cover three different aspects of this industry. And you do have to pay, it's an online course, but it's, I mean, it's, they give you a ton of information. So I think it's well worth the money. So that is something that I would recommend everyone sort of look into if you are interested in getting into
3: this business. Nice. Number two, what's been the best business book or podcast episode that you've consumed this year?
4: I recently read a book by Austin Kleon called Show Your Work, and that has just been really just a very good read. It's an entertaining, kind of light read, but it talks so much about how important it is for creative people to share their work. And he's speaking, I think, just in general, but also specifically about social media and for us creative or visual artists, Instagram is like a huge thing. So he just talks about how important it is to show your work and to share what you're doing and to not be so consumed by, oh, if I show it, somebody's gonna steal it. Or, you know, like just sort of getting past that, even though that is something, you know, you do have to be smart about when you are sharing your work. But just knowing that uh, so much good can come from you being out there and putting your art out there and you just never know who's looking, especially in this day and age where so many people are on social media and you could kind of do whatever you want and put whatever you want out into the world. So it was just a very encouraging book because I do find that for me, I go through these periods where I just don't feel like sharing or I feel like what I've created is not good enough to share or, you know, so I feel like I always go back to his book and think about how important it is, even though I might feel like it's not a masterpiece or like, you know, that it's not good enough to be out there. But I just feel like we really should share as much as we can.
3: That sounds like a good one. Alrighty. Number three, what drives you and why? What drives me?
4: You know, what drives me, I would say is exploration and just being able to sort of be creative and to have the freedom to be creative. And I think that especially now as a mom, I find that I value that so much more now just because I don't know, I just I, I want so badly for my kids to not go through what I went through. Not that it was anything (laughs) traumatic, but just the whole thought that like, you cannot make a living being creative or making art. I just want them to know that that is a possibility for them. And I do see in both of them, a lot of creativity and exploration as I'm sure is true for all kids, but I do feel like they definitely enjoy art projects more than the average kid. And I just, I want them to see that in me, to see that mommy's not afraid to play with paint, or to experiment with a different kind of marker or to use this type of, you know, like I just want them to grow up seeing that, yeah, mommy made a living being an artist. And that's something that I wish I had seen growing up because I would not have been so fearful
3: of pursuing Amazing. this line of work. Exactly. Number four, what's a personal habit that has helped you significantly in your business?
1: Hmm.
4: You know, Interestingly, this is really funny because I, I just discovered how it's helping me literally last week. So I had a trade show last week. I don't know where this comes from, but I remember the most mundane, <laughs> very like insignificant <laughs> things that people tell me. And I don't forget a face. And this was my second time doing this. Particular trade show called Premier Vision, the one that's for apparel companies. And I was, it was just so interesting to see how delighted and amazed people were like companies were when I remember some like random thing that they told me at the last show, it was just interesting. And I feel like it will, they just seem so happy, you know, to think that like, oh my God, you remember that I, you know, like whatever random thing it was. And I could see that helping me in my business, though I haven't reaped those rewards just yet, but I just feel like it's probably a very nice thing to, (laughs) to be able to remember random facts about people's life because, you know, you just are able to create more of a personal connection with them. And I think with this kind of industry where there's so many people doing the same type of thing, I feel like any, way that you could kind of stand out. It's a good thing. So I feel like that might be my way to stand out in the sea of artists. Um, But yeah, so that was something that I, yeah, I just
3: discovered that was making people very happy. (laughs) So that was cool. Alrighty, finally, number five, just to close, I would love to know your parting advice for fellow women entrepreneurs who they want to do what they love and make a living, but are worried about losing a steady paycheck.
1: Yeah, I
4: would, I would just say to do as much research as possible. I think one thing that we sort of covered earlier was just sort of taking a step back and thinking about what you want to be doing, you know, or what you don't want to be doing for the next 35 years or however long and thinking about the steps that you could take right now to sort of get yourself out of the position that you're in. I think it's always possible to, to do that. I think how fast you can do it might be the, the difference between different people. So I just feel like you, you should talk to as many people as possible and really take a good hard look at, say, your finances and see, could I really make this work? If I were to quit my job tomorrow, could I support myself. And I think that's where talking to people really is important because you don't want to ever quit your job under the impression that like, oh, you know, now I could start selling patterns and I'm going to be making all this money because that's not how it happens. It does happen very slowly. You wouldn't know that unless you spoke to people. And I think you want to get as in-depth an understanding as possible of what this will entail how much money you can expect to make, how soon you can expect to make, the kind of money you want to make, and just see if it's something that's realistic. And I think that if you come to the realization that it's not realistic, then you don't have to leave your job. You could do it on the side because actually a lot of people that I've met have day jobs, you know, and they're doing something else, but their hope and dream is that one day they'll be making enough money doing whatever sort of creative endeavor that they will be able to leave their day job that is not very creative. So I just feel like it's always attainable. It's just a matter of, How fast can you, you know, can you do it? And maybe you can't do it as fast as you would have liked, but just know that it can be done because people are doing it. If you're looking to go back to school, talk to people who did do that and see, do they think it was worth it? I think my Pratt degree was great and it opened up a lot of doors for me. But do I feel like it was absolutely necessary? No not at all. (laughs) Like I didn't have to do that. Mm -hmm. Try and figure out what exactly you want to do and what you need to get there.
3: You may not need to go back to school.
4: I would say the key takeaway, just making sure you know what you're getting into.
3: Okay. Yeah. Really, really solid advice and a great note to end on. So before we leave, what's the best way that we can connect with you after this episode? I would suggest connecting
4: with me through Instagram. That's where I post most frequently. My handle is chrisjoydesign, so that's C-H-R-I-S. J-O-Y-D-E-S-I-G-N. And yeah, that's where you guys can find me. And I, from there, you could link to my website. And I also have a Facebook page uh, that's not as current as my Instagram. So I would say Instagram is
3: probably the best way. And we love that around these parts. <laughs> so we are big fans of Instagram here. So thank you so much, Christine, for joining us in the guest chair. It's been really enlightening and I really appreciate it. I really enjoyed talking to you. Thanks for having me. Of course. And there you have it, guys. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to Side Hustle Pro. If you want to hear more from me, head on over to sidehustlepro.co forward slash sidehustlecorner to get my weekly Side Hustle Diaries chronicles about my own journey from passion project to profitable business. And if you want to find me online, I'm at Side Hustle Pro
0: L D E J A N E I R O. Soldejaneiro. and use the code ACAS ten for ten percent off.